So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. He and I are going to share uh, looking at the Word and talking about it this morning. So a couple things for Jason, for you, for Brent McCrory. Thanks for uh, filling in while I was gone and working through the book of Titus. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, two out of three of those went really well. Two out of three went really well. <laughs> That's all we'll say about that. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, I got texts about one of them, like in the middle of vacation, I'm getting photos and texts, so I won't say which one that was. Um, and just glad to see college students back. I mean, a little bit of life getting back to normal, I guess. Still doesn't totally feel like it, but good to have all of you guys. Anybody that's new, we're glad to have you and glad to have everybody that's online this morning. So today was, is Children's Promotion Sunday, right? It is, yeah. So it's kind of a big deal, the kids moving up to their new, new age group, Sunday school class and all that. Um, but, and we're going to actually do a sermon related to family today, but decided that uh, we wanted to tweak that a little bit and talk about some things related to COVID and some things that in this season, it's been a weird time, right? some things that we've been thinking about and learning here at 12th. Um, and because some stuff, I mean, a lot hit us, right? And a lot hit the church, and we got had a chance to think about a lot of things. Um, and you know, in a lot of places in the world, they don't gather on Sunday morning in a big place like this. It's a house church or something. And we've lived in this kind of Western bubble where church has been dominant in our culture for a long time. We could always meet in the big church buildings. It was just a regular part of our week. Um, we could always count on good programming. And then COVID like shot all that down, right, for like three months. Um, suddenly we don't meet in the big meeting on Sunday mornings anymore. There's no more programming. Sun There's no Sunday school for children, no nursery, no youth gatherings, big or small. Um, everything just radically changed and didn't even have small groups in person because we were limited there for like two months to groups of 10. And so those things are all on Zoom. And really all we had were, what, families are at home, our very small circle friends we might meet with, um, maybe where we worked, but some of us it wasn't even that. And then basically stuck in our homes and our neighborhoods. Life got really small, Right. And so we just started asking a lot of questions about, you know, church and what does that mean for us? Yeah. Yeah. COVID, it, you know, sitting in those staff meetings, it kind of hit us in the face and it made us realize, just like you said, this is what we have to work with. So how can we make church function with these things? And so we started, you know, after we initially got a plan together saying, okay, well, what if, what if this happens again? Um, what's the plan going to be next time? Or what if this thing doesn't ever really fully recover and church has to look different from now on? Or what if in the future we're forced into this model for some reason? Um, how can this work if we're so program heavy? It really can't. And so we kind of realized that a shift was needed in some ways. Yeah, even I, I'm not into feeling like I'm persecuted or Christians are persecuted, but our culture is changing. There is increasing levels of antagonism towards the church. And who knows, maybe in 20 years, we're, we have to do house church, like in China or other places. I mean, I don't know. But it just makes you ask a lot of questions. This has been a good chance to think and reflect about a lot of things. So, so yeah, in, in talking about these questions, something that we want to narrow in on today, because there's a lot there, but the thing that we want to focus in on is families. And specifically, what is the role of family in our society, and what does God say the role of the family is 
in the Bible and what is the church's role in leading you guys to, to Jesus and helping uh, to foster your spirituality? Um, are we assistance to you? Is it our job? Uh, because we had to ask all those questions when this, when this started. So that's where we kind of want to go today is, is the family and discipling your kids and, and how the church plays a role in that. And if you're sitting there and you don't have any kids or you're single, you're in college or whatever, we don't want you to check out because even if you don't have influence in a child's life right now, odds are you're going to um, at some point. It's very high. Um, I asked Alice if I could tell this really brief thing about her, but you know, Alice, my 20-something friend, was in a singles life group last year, and this year she's in a new one with, with families, and she suddenly got all this influence with these kids, and they look up to her, and she's spending time with them, and so life can change on a dime like that. So please stay with us. Even if you don't have kids right now or have that influence, um, this is something that you're going to want to stow away for the future for sure. Yep. And not only that, but in a minute we're going to talk about a very important word in the Bible that we've been thinking and I've been thinking um, a lot about that just informs everything about the way we live our faith and the way we do church. So uh, the, the big question is, is, what does the Bible say about family? How does it speak to this issue? And because we want to think biblically about everything, right? We want the Bible to inform how we live our faith and everything. So if you'd flip open to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, we're going to look at a, two key passages in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to see what Paul um, has to say in one of probably my favorite epistle, what he has to say about family and about church and what are the roles that they play in the forming of our children into becoming followers of Jesus. So chapter 6 is where I want to start. Just a really short verse there. And I think this is an older version of the NIV, so I apologize for that. I've been hunting for the newer version, one that I could use every Sunday. But if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, just a, a one-verse thing um, that, that speaks to, to parents, to families. And it says in chapter 6, verse 4, it says... Fathers, bring them, bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And it's not just fathers. Pat and I were talking this morning all through Scripture, and Paul tells Timothy about how his mother and grandmother formed him, led him to the Lord. So it's, it's obviously for parents. But the task that the parents are given is to bring up our children in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That is, that's my role with my kids. That's role, your role with Jet and Maggie. As I look at different families here, right? That's role. That's you guys. Your role with your kids. That that's the thing that God instructs us with, with um, his with family. Is that's God's design. Is that that the parents they're the ones who have the primary responsibility to form and to shape their children. And it's always been that case. If you look in Deuteronomy, the key passage in Deuteronomy for Jewish people, chapter six, verses five to seven, the the Shema the thing that they all had memorized, where God says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. The commandments that I give you, they are to be taken upon your hearts, and then you impress them on your children. You impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So the Scripture consistently tells us that the primary responsibility of forming children into the image of Jesus lies with the family. We would, all, lie, we would all agree with that, right? That's, that's where the Word of God lands. Yeah. So this isn't some strategy that you retreated into the mountains and like cooked up and came back down to us with. Like this is 
biblical. This is how this is how God intended it. Yeah. And so we look at it and we ask, why did God intend it to be this way? Why not the church? Um, why make the parents the primary vehicle for spirituality? Well, there's a few reasons. One, because it's sustainable. Because whether a pandemic hits or a church gets shut down or whatever, you have influence in your child's life. It's something that we know is always going to be there. Um, it's also it's also the fact that it's it's long sighted. You know, parents outside of siblings are the only lifelong influence in a child's life that's really going to be there. So we know that, and God knew that you are going to be there all throughout. And then lastly, it's effective. Um, whether kids will tell you this or not, most of them won't, but they want to be to be guided in some way. They want some sort of direction. They want guardrails. They, they won't tell you that, but they really do, and they value it. And, and studies are, are so clear that students that have that versus students that don't, they just they just, they're healthier, they turn out better, they, they uh, spiritually and not. So those are all things that God knew, and so that's why he made the family the vehicle for spirituality. Yep. So then the question is, what is the role of the church? What's the role of the church biblically, um, really in everything? That's why this word we're going to look at in a minute is so important, and a word that I've been thinking a lot, we've been talking a lot about. So does the church have a role with your, the family, with your children? Um, no role, some role. Uh, there is a role, and it's actually found in Ephesians 4. So if you're still in chapter 6, if you'll flip back a page to Ephesians 4, and we're going to look at verse 11. Start in verse 11. And in verse 11, here's what, um, here's what Paul wrote. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers... And I think a lot of us know this, we've heard it, to, to what? What's that word? To equip, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the wellness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. For all, can I stop for all of you that are parents, isn't that your longing for your teens and as they get into their 20s, that they won't be infants, they won't be tossed back and forth by the waves of the culture, they won't be blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people. Isn't that all of us are longing, that that's what our young people come to? Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the job, the church's job, is primarily summed up in that word equip or equipping in verse 12. Our job as the church, as the staff, as volunteers, is to equip people to, among other things, to, and especially with families, to be the primary ones, to equip families to be the primary ones involved in their children's own spiritual formation. So, I mean, this is not just for families, it's for anybody here, again, for grandparents, anybody involved with children, but it is your primary responsibility. You're the engine of the spiritual growth of your children. Um, that doesn't mean, again, the church doesn't have any role. We're not up here to say we're dumping, we have no responsibility and we're just dumping all on you and just leaving you hanging. 
but that the church's primary role is to partner with families, to come alongside of you and equip you. Um, so we will talk about equipping. Yeah, so if we bit. break down uh, this equipping word more into what this actually means for you guys, there's three E words that explain how we want to interact with families. So one, we want to, we want to engage you guys. We want to view you guys as total partners. And I really want to get this wording right, so I'm, I'm going to kind of read a little more in this part. But we want to be... We want there to be an intentional connection between Sunday school and the programs here at church and what you're doing at home, right? We don't want what we're doing here to be totally separate from what you're doing at home because they're just, then they're not working together and it's no good. Rather, we want to involve you in what we're doing, um, which hasn't always been the model in the, in the past at TBC, by the way. We haven't always crushed it, but we're, we're trying to move that way um, because we know that your influence is so much greater than our influence, right? It, it makes no sense that we wouldn't work with you because you guys have essentially all the power in your child's life. So to be able to work with you on that would be so smart. And so there's going to be this kind of shift where it's, you know, everyone, their kids bring home the stuff from Sunday school, and it's like, I made macaroni Moses or whatever, and it's like, oh, no, it fell in the trash. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so, like, that's, I mean, it's fine, but it's not super helpful. So the mindset that we want to have is, is less like take-home art and more take-home discussion stuff, right? We would much rather send your kid home with a, a short summary of what they learned and three questions for the ride home or something like that, you know? Maybe it is a picture with a story at the bottom and it's something you go over before bedtime, but you see what I'm saying? If we send something home, we want it to be useful. We want to engage you in some way. We don't just want it to be something that we, that we just do because we do. So one, engage. We want to include you in the process. Two, we want to encourage you. So we're here for you. We're praying for you. Um, we're here to cheer you on. If you have questions or hurts or whatever, you know, we can be a voice that can, that can help with that. And then lastly, we want to uh, equip you. And we're going to talk more about different ways that we hope to equip families um, here in just a bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Ephesians talked about, it, it's both parents' role, but it talked about fathers and dads. I know this is not an easy task, and it can be very intimidating. Um, I know, I am a dad, I've been there, and I think we live in so much in a post-Christian world that we don't have many models anymore, especially, I feel like, dads of how to parent at home, how to raise your kids and impact them spiritually, and so we want to do a better job of coming alongside of you and doing that. But I am concerned because I've got a granddaughter now. You mean no macaroni Moses for Eleanor? Yeah, sorry, no. Oh, gosh. Well, all the gluten stuff too, you know, you never oh, know. Oh, right. With so. the, yeah. And of course, as parents, none of us have had a child get upset that their, their church art made it in the trash can, right? And got uh, discovered there. So, um, Not you, Mags. Maggie, we saved all yours. Yours aren't in the trash, good girl. Yeah, okay, good. So, Biblically, what are we feeling like? We feel like... So biblically, uh, we want to exist to support you guys, not to replace you guys. And I feel like we haven't done a good job of saying or demonstrating that in the past. Um, and, uh, and the reason that we don't want to replace you is because simply we can't, right? If you look at the hours of influence that we have every year opposed to what parents have, on average, each kid will be influenced 40 hours a year by their church. Um, and about 3,000 waking influential hours by their parents. And so there's really, there's no comparison. So it, it makes sense to work together with you guys to, to equip you and to hand the keys off to you. A really cool way that, that we're trying to do this at TBC, I think it's cool, is every year, ideally in the spring, we had to do it in the fall this year because of COVID, but we do something called Purity Night where we get the eighth graders together, we split them into guys and girls, and we, we kind of prepare them for their high school career. And we invite parents into it, and it's a really cool thing where 
the, the church volunteer or the leader, the teacher is there and they're kind of initiating, but the parents are right there alongside. And so we just did that this weekend. The girls, they did a cool thing. They made a craft. And then, um, so, so the moms were there. And then the boys, we fished. And, uh, and Brexton Krigger caught a really great crappie. It was awesome. Uh, and uh, I heard you caught one fish. Uh, really, I did. Unfortunately, there's no photographic evidence of the fish. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, that was the bait that I used for the fish. Oh, okay, the yeah, bait. Uh-huh. it's easy. It's uh-huh. easy to mix that up, but so yeah. So we're trying to find ways to do that well, and this is kind of one of those ways. Yeah. So we kind of feel like what the church needs to, this equipping is kind of like what a coach does on a basketball team. We got to talk about that coaching metaphor because right. coaches don't play the game, right? The parents need to be the ones playing the game. But what the coaches do is they engage their players. They get involved in their lives. They encourage them. That's what the timeouts are about, even though it looks like Bell Self's always yelling. Bill always covers his mouth. Is that, he doesn't want to see what, what he's yeah, encouraging. He is that it? Yeah, he doesn't want to see yeah. his encouraging words. And, and right. they equip. They're the ones running the drills and all that, but it's the execution is on the player's part. So we really want to get to where, as a church, we feel like we're more that coaching, taking that coaching thing. I still remember... Uh, you know, since I had a daughter that went to Duke, now I can talk about Duke, but they were in the Final Four in 2001, and they played Maryland, one of their big rivals from the ACC, in the game to get the championship, and they were down by 22 points at half, the biggest deficit ever that a team came back from. And Coach K, when they went in at halftime, he told the team, he said, uh, I'm done coaching you guys. I've coached you all year. You know what to do, so... You're running the show. And you remember Shane Battier? He was the captain of the team. They called all the plays at the timeouts. They would huddle and talk. They came back from that 22-point deficit and ended up winning. But it's just, to me, a good example of him, him being like, I've coached you and prepared you, but you've got to be the ones to do it. So that's kind of what we feel like is, uh, is our role. And so that's why down in the children's area, if you go down there, it's really cool some of the stuff they've done. But you're going to see a statement painted on the wall that's really significant, which is, Partnering with families to raise a generation for Christ. Partnering with families to raise a generation to Christ. And that's our attempt to take the truth of Ephesians and put it into a sentence, is that families are to raise a generation for Christ. That is your responsibility. And we are called to come alongside and be equippers, and so we're partnering with you, longing to raise a generation for Christ. And... You know, as we were talking about this, we kind of feel like the the church in the West in particular um, hasn't always done that well, done that partnering and equipping. I think sometimes the way there's been a lot of talk about equipping, but really it doesn't happen or hasn't happened very much. Um, There was a lot of talk and a lot of not a lot of walk. A lot of parents didn't feel equipped in how to parent well. So we haven't always succeeded. and sometimes the church even maybe even usurped that role a little bit. And there were probably a lot of parents who were just happy to let them do it, um, to let them have that and take it, because maybe we're the experts, I don't know. But um, we just want you to know we're thinking very biblically about this and really trying to think in line with the book of Ephesians, with, the whole, with all of Scripture about this. And we're working on it. We want to get our practice more in line with the Bible yeah. on this thing. And you talk about how the church has kind of usurped that role recently, maybe not even recently. But I think, you know, I'm the student pastor here, I'm the kids pastor, and I'm kind of a control freak. So if it was up to me, I would love to have sole control of your child's spirituality. Like, because I know that I'm, I'm going to try my hardest and I'm going to do it the way I want. 
And so for me, for you to say, like, we're going to give some of that away to you guys and empower some parents and trust you guys to do it, like, honestly, that's hard for me because I, I don't want to give up that control. But it, it's what is biblical and it's what is right. And so I am here not as the main engine. I am here as a helper. And so there's some ways that we're trying to do that. Um, there are, like you said, there's some parenting books at the Resource Center down in the kids area that we're changing out every few months that are, that are there to equip you, to encourage you, to give you tools for discussion with your students. Um, there are, uh, we, have a, we have a resource page on our website with a list of books both for student spirituality and for parents to, uh, to talk to your kids about different things and to, to have spiritual conversations. There are books for every kid age group downstairs that you can look at. Um, we're sending materials home with kids. Yeah, that's one of the books. So it's like for your third grader, that one is. So it's for every age. Parenting your third grader. I don't see a, but there were no grandparenting your third grader books. Down oh, there. you're supposed to know by that age. Oh, I'm just supposed yeah. to know by that age. You should know by so, now, Garen. So. But they've got this for each grade right. down there trying to equip parents. Sure. And just lots of stuff like that. And even in the, on the youth side, um, we're going to start a three-minute podcast every every youth group that you're going to be able to download to your phone and listen to with your kids on the way home. So just stuff like that. And there's more stuff that we don't have time to mention here, but those are ways we're trying to put some of the power back in your hands and, and just equip you guys with that stuff. So just be patient with us. It's a, it's a shift. Things are going to look a little bit differently at 12th, maybe for a little bit. We're not always going to get it exactly right. We're probably going to try something along the way and not do it the right way or, or it's not going to be the right thing. Um, but just be gracious with us and realize what the end goal is and that that end goal is really to raise a generation for Christ alongside you guys. Yeah, and again, so this doesn't mean we're dumping a bunch of programs or anything like that. None of that's happening, but it's just this, this shift in thinking of like, we have got to see ourselves as the church, as equippers primarily of the parents to do their job. And so we just want to get a lot better at that. And not just in parenting, Realizing in this COVID, we've got to equip you to do other things. There, a lot of you, you're like, I'm not showing up at church on Sunday morning, and, but I'm going to work every day, and I don't feel equipped. How do I really reach out and work? How do I make an impact there? How do I parent? That's why we, we did the marriage stuff this summer. We did relationship stuff this summer online because we were feeling like we need to do, get really good at equipping people to live out their faith with where they're at. So... Um, Anyways, but our longing and what we're striving for is we want to raise a generation of Christ for Christ. And are we not all in on that? Are we not as a body? We all long to see our young people. We want that generation to be a generation for Christ, right? And as frequently, I think, we want that generation, whatever our ceiling is, we would love that to be the floor spiritually for that generation. So that's really what we long and so we've been talking, like, what's, what's the end product? What's the end goal with our children as we partner with families to raise a generation for Christ? And what we really long for um, is the thing I long for with my own children, which is we want our kids, all the children at 12th, we want your kids with you to grow up to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, to where their hearts are fully devoted to Him. That's, that's the end game. We want all of the young people that grow up here to become apprentices of Jesus. That's what a disciple was. It's an apprentice who follow them, him holistically, not just that they know facts and information about the Bible, but peoples whose lives are shaped by him, who, who are formed into his image, who live in his rhythm. That really is. I know David Kinnaman, there's a, a phrase you like that he had in a book. 
Yeah, calling, calling students resilient disciples. Essentially, students who make it out of high school, make it out of college, are still following Jesus 10 years later. He calls them resilient disciples, and I, I like that. Yeah, and that's what we want. We want that our kids, when they leave 12th Avenue and they go wherever they go to college and off into the world, we want them to be resilient disciples who continue to follow him. Yeah. And so um, I think from nursery all the way up, that's our goal for everybody together, right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, so, the stats, they don't, they don't really bear that out, though. Yeah, and that's anytime you hear these, they're very scary. Right. And I think we've all heard them. What, what are some yeah. of those? Yeah, so just two, you know, Dave Kinnaman wrote a great book, You Lost Me, and it was great, but it was scary. 59% of young adults um, with a Christian background, they drop out of church at some point in their 20s. So over half of kids who have been involved in church growing up will drop out at some point after college. And then this is the really scary one. This is kind of the 10-10. About 10% of high school students will still be following Jesus in 10 years as resilient disciples is what he says. And so when you see the stats, you realize the model we've been using is not working. It demands a change, a biblical change, not some new strategy, but, but just kind of getting back to what Jesus says it needs to be in the first place. And Kinnaman did that book, I think, in 2012, and he did the survey again two years ago. No, one year ago in 2019. And that number had gone from 59 to 64%. Just read that mm -hmm. yesterday. So we're not winning that battle. We're actually losing it. And then I just read, Barna just came out with some new research just a month ago that 56% of our kids in church by the age of 15 have checked out. They may show up and come to church with the family, but by 15, 56% have already checked out. And, and then those who don't, you know, when they go to college, a lot drop out. That's why we're glad to see you guys here. But then even the numbers of after college, kids who like do ministries um, will not get involved with the church once they graduate. That's what, you know, Dimrick Patton, who we support with crew, he was up in Nebraska for a long time working in the ministry, and he shifted to a new emphasis that the crew was doing because they were seeing a high percentage of their kids who were in crew in college would not make it into church full-time after that because the campus experience was different than, than church, and they weren't getting them connected to church. And so, anyways, the stats aren't great, but we want, at 12, we want that to be different. Um, so we really want with the parents being the primary shapers we want to come alongside you we want to partner with you we want to equip you the best of our ability so that those things don't aren't true at 12. so okay um we talked just a little bit jordan like we've kind of hit it but why you know wh why is that these some of these statistics um um part of what we talked about is i think a lot of families kind of just said I'll let the church do the spiritual raising of my kids and the mm -hmm. programming. And at home, I'm not going to do that. And I understand that, especially, again, for dads. It can be so intimidating in this day and age, but I think that was part of it. I also think a lot of it is the idea that I think a lot of our programming in church related to children and youth was primarily about information, learning Bible stories, memorizing verses, and there's nothing wrong with being in the Word of God. But it was not an emphasis on whole life discipleship on obedience, on loving him passionately with your whole heart. Yeah. Um, we were just um, in Colorado, saw Amber Shrotland. How many of you guys, it's been a while since Amber was here. Um, her husband died, what, six months ago, seven. Um, it's been a while. But 
um, we were there in her house and she had a really cool thing on the wall with her kids. They had taken Luke 2.52 where it talks about that Jesus grew. Um, he grew. He grew physically. He grew in his mind. He grew in faith with God and men. And she had created a category and she had for each of her kids, she had them have two goals of a way they would grow in their mind, a way they would continue to grow physically, a way they would grow socially with people, a way they would grow in their walk with God. And they had some very, the kids had some really practical things. And I was so impressed because I'm like, that family was intentionally trying to disciple their kids, not just in information, but holistically in every part of their life. And I just was, uh, was very impressed with that. And so um, there's nothing wrong with information. Truth is critical in the formation of our soul and all of that. But it's got to be more than just information. I, one more thing before we jump to you. I ran into another dear friend who works with young people a lot in Colorado. And we were talking about these stats. And he said, I think what, what happened is, is he said that there were a lot of families where they would go to church, but the Christianity would stay there. And then through the week, it wouldn't be practiced by parents. And so they wouldn't see Jesus lived in daily life. All they saw was Jesus in church for an hour on Sunday or two hours. And he said, what, what happened, he thinks what happened with the young generation now is they began to confuse Christianity with church attendance and not Christianity with knowing Jesus passionately and loving him and walking with him in daily life. So, hmm. um, Yeah, and talking about that, that need to shift from information to something more, I, I look at church just growing up in it my whole life and then and working at it for five years now, and it just seems like in a lot of our programs— um, that we kind of get stuck in, in first gear a little bit, that we do such a good job of transferring information at a young age, right? Like kindergarten class all the way through Sunday school, information, information is great, um, but that we never really shift out of that into something deeper, into serving or into finding passion for Jesus or into living this in other ways. And so um, a big part of the shift we're looking for is to kick it out of first and to kind of find a new gear uh, for students to go just beyond head, but to move it into the yeah. heart a little bit. And a phrase I love, we don't just want to believe at 12, believe we want to belive our faith as a community, as parents, as everything, that that's really important. Yeah. So um, our approach to your children here will always be partnering with you to raise a generation for Christ. That's our desire. Um, that's what we are commanded to do in Ephesians 4. We are commanded to equip. That is the role of the church. And so we are going to do that. Um, we'll be the minority partner because you as the parents, the majority partner. I love the big gulp picture that you had up there. That was pretty cool. Um, but we will partner with you. We want to assist, to engage you, to encourage you. We want to equip you um, the best we can. This has been a really hard season for everybody, hasn't it? I think especially for families, I mean, dads don't say a lot. It's been hard for dads. It's been really hard for moms, I think. And so we just want to do whatever we can to serve you, to assist you, to partner with you, to raise a generation for Christ. That's our desire, our longing, that together we would raise a generation for Christ. But we want to do it God's way. And God's way is, is parents, bring up and train your children in the instruction of the Lord. That's on you. And our job is, is to equip, and we want to do that. We want to partner, and we want to equip you. So yeah. that's, that's where we're, that's, that's our longing. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up in the last few minutes here, 
Um, I'm a big action steps guy. We talk about this, but okay, so what? So a few things for you to do or, or be thinking about from this point forward to make it just better. One, keeping in your mind, hey, there's a shift happening at 12th. Um, so when things start to look a little bit different, it's not, whoa, where did this come from? It's something that, that we're trying to do. It's a concerted effort on our part, and we want to make you aware of it and even engage you in it and include you in it too. Um, and along, along those lines, you know, we, we have that church resource page. It's still called the Family Ministry Quarantine Guide because we came out with it during quarantine. We probably need to change the webpage name. But it's got so many good things on there, like I, like I mentioned, books, podcasts, uh, tips for parents and students to get together and talk about things. So it's, it's really, it can be useful to you. Um, there's that resource, that resource table downstairs in the bottom of the East Building. I encourage you to check it out if you have kids K through 5th. Um, really good stuff there. And then also, please feel free to reach out to me, to Garen, to anyone on staff. Um, we're always here if there are specific questions or concerns you have that, uh, that we want to be a part of that too, and we're, we're very reachable in that way. Yep. So. so, thanks. for We appreciate you guys just hearing all of that. And again, it's not even like it's a super huge shift, but really it's just this, this thing in the COVID. It's just been realizing and asking the question, are we equipping people to live their faith in their daily life at home, at work, if you can't have a small group, do you have, are you meeting with just two other, two other guys or two other gals and you're in the Word of God in a small community? Have we, are we doing a good job of equipping people to live their faith small because for, a, for three months we had to go really small, right? And so that's just been what's, a lot of what's driving this. So our desire to get back to that biblical model of equipping. So I, um, you know, this really has been a lot about families. Can, can we end with a prayer? Yeah. For Absolutely. families, you know, we care about everybody, and this week's a little bit unusual, especially if you're new here, or you're like with, with the college group, and this is your first time, and you're like, is this like what they do every week? This is a little bit different, but we're just trying to, to center on Ephesians and the Word of God in that way. So if you're here as a, uh, a family, we'd really like, we'd like whole families to stand, and we'd really like to pray over um, the families that are here. So if you're, if you're a family... If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you have a role in influencing, helping to influence. Can we have you guys stand? We would love to have you stand. Jordan, I know we didn't talk about this. Would you say a prayer over? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Over our family. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the families at 12. We know the next generation is so close to your heart. Um, we know that they are the future of the church, and so we pray over them right now. Pray for the, the kids who are soaking up so much knowledge about you. I pray it wouldn't just be knowledge and instruction. That, that is so important, it is so key, and it is so foundational. But I pray that they would get a sense of what it means to really fall in love with you, Jesus. And I, I pray that they would get a sense of what it means to belong to your church at large and, and to be a part of a movement and not just um, a church service. And I also pray for parents, and I pray for grandparents, and college students who have influenced anyone, really, who has influence in a child's life, God, that you would impress on our hearts how important it is that we walk this outside of Sunday morning, that we are engaging them in intentional ways um, to grow them in you. Thinking about Luke 2, 52, Lord, um, just how kids are growing in every single way. So we take all this to you. We, we thank you that you've kind of shown us some things here at 12th that we can do. We, we know that it is still totally in your hands, and we just ask your Holy Spirit to keep guiding us as we go on that way. So be with us today. Um, help us to live it out today and just take small steps in it. It's kind of an intimidating thing for me too, um, but just reassure our hearts, equip us, and encourage us 
um, because you are ultimately the good father. So we thank you and we give you praise as we go out today. It's in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So as always, for all of you who are families, we send you home to, uh, to just live out your faith in Jesus in front of your children and to strive to impact them in a way that they will, they will live for Jesus. And for everybody else, we send you to a culture that still has a lot of anxiety. So we send all of you as a non-anxious presence to be a blessing and to impact those around you. So you're sent.